Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Black Coffee Fight Club. This is episode number two. Thanks everyone for checking out the first episode and getting back to me. Um, I really appreciate the positive feedback. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, things are going to get better, I promise. Uh, the first time I'm really devoting uh, a whole effort, a wholehearted effort to just covering uh, combat sports and MMA. So some announcements. First, there's a brand new website for everythingwentblackmedia.com. It's sort of a landing page for everything. Uh, there's links to Tombs. There's links to Savage Gold Coffee. There's links to the Everything Went Black page. Uh, there's also uh, links to the Necromaniacs podcast and a bunch of other stuff on there. So yeah, check it out. I think it looks great. Um, you know, we're back into modern times. Uh, the old site was this kind of uh, weird combination of tumblr and a bunch of different like out-of-date technologies so so yeah real excited about that uh also on that page you'll notice that there's a uh donate by patreon and uh, i started up a patreon uh site to build community and also find ways to uh fund the site and keep things rolling it would be funding this podcast the regular everything went black podcast and all the blogs that are on there um you know there's uh this stuff isn't cheap, you know. It's like I've been doing this stuff for the last uh, hundred plus episodes, and uh, it's all been done for free. Uh, get a little bit of money from these sponsors, but uh, I'm looking mainly to upgrade stuff, uh, to buy new equipment, uh, get a better connection, pay for the bandwidth charges. Uh, you know, all this stuff. There's subscriptions I have to pay to keep the site running, and uh, yeah, just looking for a way to keep things rolling. So um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Kent Mulcahy for being the first Patreon patron. There's an incentives to all this stuff, too. I haven't really gotten a grasp on what I'm going to be giving you guys if you pledge, but uh, I'm open to ideas. Um, there's some standard things that they have on there, such as uh, you know high-res versions of content and that kind of stuff. And um, I'm not really sure if uh, a wave file of this podcast will really do anybody any good, but if people want that, I'll be more than happy to, to provide that. Uh, some of the things I had in mind was like doing runs of T-shirts, um, you know, for Everything Went Black and also for the uh, Black Coffee Fight Club. Uh, if someone actually mentioned, uh, you know, questions about when I'm going to have T-shirts up for this, and I think that's a great idea, especially it's got a snappy name. Uh, maybe I'll uh, do a design sort of that old school tap out um, graphic with some huge, you know, skull with wings and like swords and like an all over foil print. You know, if you guys are into that kind of stuff, or maybe even I'll do rash guards. I think that'd be cool. You know, I like to maybe get a feel for how many people out there train. And uh, if you're interested in rash guards, it might be cool to have a uh, Black Coffee Fight Club rash guard out there. And uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to be creative with all that stuff. But yeah, the Patreon thing is it's uh, sort of evolving, and I'm really honored that Kent, you know, pledged and became a, a member. And um, I really wasn't quite ready to start start doing this, but yeah. Uh, check back. You can go to the website, everythingwentblackmedia.com, and where it says uh, donate on Patreon, you can check it out and see what I have. I'm going to be uploading a bunch more stuff to that. And uh, really what I'm trying to do is kind of just create more community, um, you know, get some funding for the site and the podcast and keep things rolling. One of the things I was thinking about doing is if, if you pledged, then maybe you can chime in on this with your, uh, that is if you're a fight, a fight club uh, listener, uh, 
you can chime in with your your picks or if you train maybe you can talk about your camp or your your school or whatever and you know we could we can go with that angle with things because i'm definitely interested to to know what you guys are up to and you know a lot of people seem to be listening to this and uh, i'd like to know you know what what people are into if they're they trained they watch the fights if uh you know they're just sort of beginning in, into getting into all this kind of stuff so yeah you know just stay in touch and uh, we'll kind of make this thing happen next up just going to run through the affiliate sponsors on the website i have the ads set up differently now they're not as intrusive i think with the new site if you scroll down you'll see the dots of sara banner and if you go there you can uh, you can buy anything from Datsusara, and um, I get a very small percentage on these sales. And if you're in in the market for a killer bag, grappling shorts, t-shirts, uh, jujitsu gis, you know, just t-shirts, things like that, um, that's the place to go. It's all from um, you know, like uh, it's all hemp products and really cool, tight design. Um, and yeah, so I highly recommend that. I've got a bunch of their gear. I'm on my second uh, battle pack, the first one I wore out. Uh, I also have the uh, the Joe Rogan fanny pack, which um, I take out on the road to me all the time. And, um, yeah, so that's a bunch of cool stuff, and uh, definitely check it out. Uh, you can probably by now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk about MCT oil and uh, how I put it in my coffee and blend it with butter and how it's this uh, you know medium-chain triglyceride. And it's a essential if you're uh, if you're looking for energy, and it's you know just a great product to uh, to supplement your diet with. So um, there's a link to the Onnit MCT oil. So if you go there, you can buy their version of MCT oil. I um I actually use their product every day, and uh, I I uh, can give you a high recommendation if you're interested in picking up MC, MCT oil. Um, go with theirs. Also, uh, I'm quite a big fan of kettlebells. There's a link to the Onnit kettlebell page where you can purchase kettlebells. They have a variety of different styles and weights. You know, the primal bells, which is like, you know, great apes. And, you know, they have monsters and all this other cool stuff. So um, if you're looking for functional strength and you're bored of going to the gym and just lifting, doing curls and, uh, you know, bench presses and uh, lat pull downs and you want to actually do something that coordinates your whole body or if you're a grappler or into muay thai um these are they go hand in hand with martial arts i think i think they strengthen your whole body and build up the neural and build up the neurology required to deliver power so yeah man i'm really into kettlebells and uh before you get involved definitely get some instruction there's a bunch of stuff actually on the Onnit site about how to get a good kettlebell workout in. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you should, uh, should check that stuff out. And last but not least, there's Savage Gold Coffee. I love coffee. If you love coffee, you need to buy some Savage Gold. It's my brand. Um, I drink it every day. Um, though I am quite fond of uh, picking up pounds of coffee by small, obscure roasters when I go out on, ro- on the road. Um, I'm every day, my ritual includes, uh, drinking Savage Gold coffee. So you can, you can check that out, you know, by, by a pound. And also if you're, um, if you want to save on shipping and you're an Amazon prime, uh, member, Savage Gold coffee is also available on Amazon. And, uh, you know, say for example, you live in California and you don't want to pay the steep shipping costs and you just happen to have an Amazon prime account. 
search Savage Gold Coffee in your Amazon search, and uh, there you go. You can you can pick up some coffee. Anyway, I didn't even realize there was a Bellator this past weekend uh, until I got a text message from my buddy Champ Morgan. And um, I haven't really checked out the fight, but I know that Melvin Manhoof got knocked out. And that's kind of a bummer because he's one of those dudes, I think, who is uh, definitely past his prime and should really consider going into coaching, you know, retire or something like that. And it's, uh, it's sad when you see these guys uh, fighting on past their, um, their prime. So uh, at some point, I'll, I'll go to the Bellator website and I'll watch the entire event. And, uh, you know, even though I know the outcome, I'm, I'm sure I'll still watch that fight. So this past weekend was UFC 210. It's an emotional card and also filled with much controversy. Uh, so if, if you haven't seen it by now, you might as well not even listen because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil the whole event for you. But if you did watch the fights, then... Uh, you know, we'll have a little discussion about what happened. Uh, first of all, Patrick Cote retires after being defeated by Tiago Alves. And, um, you know, it was a veteran. Seeing the paint, the writing on the wall, decided that it was time to, uh, you know, call it quits. And, um, you know, definitely I back that. Like whenever somebody, rather than prolonging their career and getting more brain trauma and getting punched in the face and destroying their body, realizes that uh the end of the road is near and um and they just gracefully bow out and i you know, appreciate that and much respect tiago alves looked great at 170 um just that cut down to 155 i think was draining him and um his uh, return to 170 i think is uh you know is a, a welcome um you know welcome event for him uh anthony johnson retires after being defeated by daniel cormier um, that came out of nowhere, you know. I mean, Daniel uh, Anthony Johnson is in his prime. I mean, he de- basically defeated everyone for the most part in the light heavyweight division, except for DC. Um, you know, DC pretty much dominated him. Uh, I believe that Johnson got in some really good strikes, but I think that uh, in some ways. Um, you know, Anthony Johnson kind of his game plan is really what lost him the fight. DC's a wrestler. You know, he's a his background's in Greco-Roman wrestling, and if you're gonna clinch with him, he's probably the wrong guy that you want to do that that clinch fighting with. That's like he can do that all day. That's his bread and butter. Anyone who's who's not familiar with Greco-Roman wrestling, it's all above the above the waist. You know, there's no there's no you don't shoot for takedowns, no double legs, no single legs, no high crotches. It's all upper body throws and uh, clinching. So, you know, you don't want to tangle with a guy like DC in, in, against uh, in the clinch. And then once he got it to the ground, it was pretty much a replay of their first fight, you know, with a submission win. And uh, I just, uh, I can't imagine what was going through Johnson's head. You know, I think, he, you know, he knew he was going to be retiring. This was his last fight. Uh, was he just trying to get out of there? If he had won, would he have retired? A lot of unanswered questions, but uh, he gave like a, a very heartfelt farewell. And uh, you know, I like when these guys are honest, man. It's like a rough sport. It's emotional. Uh, what he said to John Jones, I thought was really cool. You know, when he said that, uh, "Sorry, we didn't give the fans the fight they wanted to see. Maybe in another life." And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a fight that a lot of people wanted to see was him versus John Jones. You know, I mean, we. 
it's yet to be determined whether or not we're actually ever going to see John Jones return to the octagon. I mean, I certainly hope so. Um, I think he's probably or could be one of the greatest MMA fighters in history along, you know, and join the ranks of GSP and, you know, Anderson Silva. And uh, it's really all up to him. You know, I mean, he just keeps making mistakes and these mistakes are costing him his career. And uh, I really wish that he would get it together because I honestly don't think John Jones is a bad guy. I just think that he's on this sort of dark path and uh, has the wrong people in his life and maybe you know, if he can deal with those issues, he can return and give us the fights we want to see. However, the John, John Jones versus DC, I don't think it's a, it's the lock that everyone thinks it's going to be. Everyone's just assuming that John Jones is going to roll in and take out DC or decision him or whatever, however he won last time. The fight that uh, John Jones had against OSP, I don't think he looked great. I think he looked pretty bad in that fight. You know, I think there was a lot of quote-unquote ring rust. And if if... Daniel Cormier fought the John Jones that fought OSP. I think DC would probably emerge victorious on that. So uh, that remains to be seen. I think that's the fight that everyone wants to see. It still baffles me to this day why people boo Daniel Cormier. I mean, the guy, you know, he's... Look at at the work he's done in other organizations. Look at the work he's done at heavyweight. And then look at the work that he's done at light heavyweight. What's there not to like about the guy? You know, everyone, it's, it's, people have a limited memory because John Jones was actually not a fan favorite. Um, people didn't like his personality. It wasn't until all of this legal shit that people actually started supporting John Jones and cheering and all this other stuff. So I just think that's kind of interesting to me. I mean, I, I, I respect John Jones's, um, fighting abilities and um i think that it's admirable that he seems to be making attempts to get his life together but it seems like people have a short memory about who was actually in their favor at one point or not so um so we'll see what happens now all the controversy you know based around the new york state athletic commission and their sort of uh, lack of experience doing MMA events. NISAC has mostly done boxing. That's most of their experiences in boxing. So let's run down the list. We have the Daniel Cormier towel incident. So at the early weigh-in, D.C. was 1.2 pounds overweight, and that could have cost him his, uh, his title. Uh, so I've seen this before in uh, Glory. Uh, Robin Van Roosmalen was, uh, was at missed weight, and he took his title away from him and he still fought, you know, he beat the guy. But it's a weird rule in glory. And I think the UFC is the same rule, where if you miss weight, they strip your title, you do the fight. If you win, it doesn't matter. You're just a regular guy in the division. If the other guy beats you, I know that this is true in glory, he would become the champion. That seems a little extreme to me, but that's the rules. So um, he's a little bit he's overweight. And then uh, under normal circumstances, fighters only have, they have to make weight in this allotted time, despite it being a title fight or whatever. Unless, of course, you're in New York. According to NISAC and a championship title, you get an additional two hours to make weight, but no one seemed to know that. Why doesn't his, you know, why didn't NISAC say something? Why wasn't there a, you know, this is after the fact we learn about this uh, weird rule. Anyway, 
Cormier gets back on the scale naked with one of those towels, you know, sort of uh, obscuring his private parts and makes weight. And then he's gripping the towel and everyone made a big deal about this. And I just think that's pretty silly. I think John Jones, a guy who's been uh, flagged for PEDs and uh, using dick pills and, uh, you know, ran over a pregnant woman, fleed the scene of a crime. Um, let's see what else got pissed a positive for cocaine. He made a big deal about this towel incident and, uh, as you know, calling DC a, a cheater and all this other stuff. So I think it's kind of, it's kind of a farce that one in 1.2 pounds didn't win the fight for Daniel Cormier. I mean, you know, there's a big discussion about weighing, weighing in and cutting weight anyway. I mean, people, you know, are criticizing the dehydration process and having to show up and be at, you know, an exact weight for about 30 seconds and then immediately rehydrating up to whatever weight you walk around at. It is kind of a ludicrous rule. It's a potentially dangerous uh, practice that, that people do. So anyway, I think it's ridiculous. I think DC's uh, superior grappling abilities and tenacity is what won him the fight, not the alleged 1.2 pounds or whatever difference you want to make but hey rules are rules so i don't know what to say about that you know people should just uh you know sort of mind their own their own you know their own business about this stuff uh then there's the pearl gonzalez augmented breast incident now initially pearl gonzalez who fought against cynthia calvillo was called off the fight because uh she had fake boobs you know, NISAC prohibits fighters with uh, fake breasts from fighting due to the danger of rupture, which I understand. I can see that, you know. However, miraculously, she's back on the fight. After further consulting her doctors, there was a ruling that she was safe to fight. I find that odd. But hey, it's a strange rule. I just wish there'd be some consistency here, you know. Fans immediately started uh, calling out Misha Tate. What did she have to do with any of this stuff? I mean, I've spent a lot of time inspecting Misha Tate, reviewing photographs of her, and I can tell you, to me, her boobs look real. I mean, she's never, uh, you know, she's fought for many years in the UFC. She's um, never uh, spoken out publicly about getting augmented breasts. So uh, to me, they look real. And uh, fans should just mind their own business. You know, leave poor Misha alone, man. You know? So anyway, we come to um, the Chris Weidman, Gegard Mousasi controversy. The knee controversy. You know, Weidman was, uh, was you know, they awarded the fight to Gegard Mousasi and they, they called it a TKO. So there's a new rule where you cannot strike a grounded opponent in the face if their hands and knees are on the ground. And this was all this was done in response to this maneuver where fighters would try to keep one hand down so they can avoid knee strikes, okay? In my opinion, it's you're in more danger with all with both hands on the ground and your knees on the ground because if somebody decides to foul you or is unaware that your hands are on the ground, you have no way of defending your face. You know, it's uh, and then if you raise your hands to get to your feet, you're gonna get a catch a knee strike. 
So I, I actually kind of thought, even though people game the system a little bit, the old way was was a little bit safer for the fighters. Because ultimately, that's what these rules are set up for, is for safety. You know, that's where, you know, why we have these rules, why soccer kicks, uh, you know, made popular by pride, are not legal anymore. Because it's, you know, fighter safety. People don't want to see dudes getting kicked in the head savagely by, like, you know, skilled uh, fighters. So, um, so yeah. So it's a real failure, uh, I think, for NYSAC. Um, you know, it's all great. You know, I'm in, I live in New York City, and I think it's great that there's MMA, and they get these great fights coming here. However, I think the commission sucks. I think they need experience. I think that New York, it's too expensive for smaller promotions to do, to do events here, you know, the crazy amounts of insurance. It's, I don't know the statistics exactly, but um, you can look them up. They're online. But it's insanely more by a huge margin more expensive to put on MMA events in New York City than it is in any other state of the union. And that stands to reason. New York City, more expensive and totally half-assed. Why would it be any different with MMA? You move into an apartment here, you pay like four times as much as you would pay in some other part of the country, and it's a fraction of the value that you would get somewhere else. So why why would, the, would NYSAC be any different? I mean, the reality is like because they don't have all these smaller promotions, the officials don't have the experience that, say, a state like New Jersey has, which is um, less expensive. And because of that, there's a bunch, a whole bunch of, uh, of smaller professional promotions where they have, they've gained experience of working in this field. So New York comes in. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, and, and there's all these inconsistencies. Guys like Chris Weidman, they end up having a loss on their on their uh, their their record. That's not to say that I don't think Gegard Mousasi would have won. However, nobody wants to win by a controversial decision. You know, I mean, um, you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, what I mean, Dan Mergliata, from where he's st- and this is the thing. You know, the replay. People are saying, well, we have to incorporate replays. And it's just like, on one hand, I can see the validity of that because you're in the moment where Mergliata was standing. It probably looked like Weidman's, both of his hands were on the canvas. So he said, you know, legal knee strike. You know, under further investigation, when they call on the replay, they see that Weidman's hands were actually off the canvas because Musasi lifted him up before throwing the knee, which makes it illegal. It makes it legal, actually. Sorry. Um, I mean, that that's all well and good, but I would prefer that once the referee makes his decision, that they just sort of stick with that decision. Whether or not it's, I mean, to the best of his ability in the moment, if he makes a decision, that decision stands. And if there's a controversy, then the loser or whoever will appeal and then it goes to a higher review i think that system is probably more valid than the chaos that erupted after they stopped the fight uh Murgliata said it was illegal he gave Weidman like the five minutes or whatever for recovery suddenly it's not they, they got the doctors come in suddenly oh it, it's not an, an illegal strike we have to continue the fight so what what do you do in that case do you uh put Weidman back on his knees um, do you start standing? What do you do? 
I think that to avoid chaos like this, they should just have the referee's um, decision stand. The doctors could come in. They can evaluate why whoever the fighter and decide whether or not he's going to make it or if he's uh, able, you know, able to fight, you know, see if he's not, you know, concussed or anything like that, and then go from there. Uh, it was it was a real failure, I think, on the part of Nysak. And um, yeah, it's just this this stuff happens in New York, man. It's like half-assed, half-assedness, lack of experience. Um, you know, I can't say enough bad things about it. So anyway, I, I really am looking forward to the uh, to the rematch. You know, Weidman won the first round. Uh, Musasi was cl- clearly winning the second round, but it was it was a dogfight. I thought that it was one of the better fights of the card. You know, and and it's um it's just unfortunate that it go down that way. Some other news is that uh, Kelvin Gastelum will not be fighting Anderson Silva in Brazil because he tested positive for marijuana. And um, I wish this stuff would stop too. You know, it, I don't, is you know, is weed a, per, a performance-enhancing drug? You know, it's, uh, I don't get it. I mean, let these guys smoke weed. Don't even test for it. You know, people don't, they don't test for alcohol. They don't test for any of these other things. Let them smoke weed. Let them eat edibles. Let them vape vaporize weed as long as it's not the day of the fight who gives a fuck man i mean it's like uh let them let them do what they got to do you know it's uh and i also the stigma of marijuana cannabis i think in this country is those days are coming to an end my friends i think that uh you know as time goes by and more and more states make it legal it's not going to be even an issue anymore at least you know as i as i see it who knows how the federal government will look at it but as far as states go I think it's not going to be, it shouldn't be an issue. So anyway, that fights off. There's been talk of, um, of having, uh, uh, Uriah Hall step in, you know, that, that was, that fight was supposed to happen a while back. Before, and I think, I believe that the reason why that was called off is because of Anderson's, uh, he got, he got flagged by USADA for something and the fight was, uh, was, was taken, taken down. So that's, um, you know, Luke Rockhold was another name that came up. And um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think it'd be cool to see Kelvin fight, but you know, I don't know. It's a mess, in my opinion. Last episode, I, I, I something embarrassing happened. I actually was saying, "Where's Miles Jury?" And it turned out that Miles Jury actually fought on the card that I was talking about. Somehow, I missed him when I was looking at the you know the, the fights. But anyway, he's back, and he looked great against uh, Mike Delatore. Um, so yeah, welcome back, Miles. I also appreciate in his post-fight interview his frank discussion about fear and overcoming his uh, his losses. And uh, right on. So anyway, Bellator 177s this Friday. I'll be watching. Uh, not too familiar with who's on this card, but sort of in protest to my feelings about the UFC, I've been embracing more of Bellator and starting to become more familiar with all the fighters. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean it should be fun. I always enjoy their fight, the cards, the fight cards for them, and we'll see how it goes. Saturday we have UFC Fight Night, and I'm just gonna run through some of the more interesting fights. I'm gonna run through the whole main card, and um, you know, give you my predictions. This time I'm gonna post them on the blog, and uh, if you guys have any 
questions or comments or anything like that or you know you just feel free i'm gonna put it on the facebook page and uh we can get some discussion going about how we feel about some of these decisions okay in the prelims I flagged the uh, Lewis Smolka versus Tim Elliott flyweight fight. Tim Elliott's coming off of three straight losses, and Smolka is coming off of two straight losses. So this is uh, one of those fights where dude's jobs are probably on the line. Certainly, Tim Elliott, if he doesn't want to be, no one wants to be at a three and at zero and three in their last three, and he definitely cannot afford to get take another loss. Smolka is is also approaching that sort of uh, great, you know that that red area of damn I better I better get on the with the program here. So uh, so yeah, it should be one of the guys that, the loser in this might get cut. So this is one of those fight for your job situations. Um, I I like Smolka. I, I've been um, you know he's been lingering here in the in the prelims for a while. Uh, you know, sort of he had a, he had a couple of really good fights. And um, I like his uh, his his sort of style. It's uh, there's a pretty heavy traditional martial arts thing going on, which I appreciate. So I'm gonna pick him more more to do with statistics. Like I feel like Elliot, based on the people he's lost to, and I know MMA math doesn't always work, has more of a chance of losing to Lewis Lewis Smolka. So I'm gonna go and pick Smolka on this one uh next up is um for me at least on this rambling is uh alexander volkov who's ranked number 11 versus roy nelson in a heavyweight bout nelson is uh two and two in his last four uh he's got losses to josh barnett and Derek lewis and um i actually thought he looked really good against josh barnett um you know, he, he shot for a takedown. <laughs> he took some big shots. I mean, you never see you never see Roy Nelson in, engage in grappling with anybody anymore. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a Gracie jiu-jitsu black belt. But you never see any, any jiu-jitsu out of him. He just wants to stand and throw, throw leather with people. You know, it's, uh, that's more his style these days, you know, for the last several years at least. So at least with, um, against Barnett, he was successful. He actually took Barnett down, which I found kind of uh, kind of amazing, since Josh Barnett is known as being a uh, a great grappler. You know, using his uh, catch wrestling style to neutralize a lot of takedowns and submissions. So, um, you know, he was he he came off as looking very versatile in that fight. There was a lot of striking exchanges and also some grappling. And uh, against Derek Lewis, it was just the same old you know, like heavyweight, two tired, big dudes, like throwing punches at each other. Um, you know, Lewis ended up on the ground a few times and sort of without any technique, basically just stood up, which was kind of impressive. If you think about a guy like having a guy like Roy Nelson on top of you and you just kind of shake him off and stand up. I mean, both of these guys, I know I'm talking about the Lewis fight more, but both of these dudes are like, got to be close to 300 pounds i think lewis probably walks probably walks around at about 300 pounds so some big boys here volkov is one and oh in the ufc so you know this is this smells in one of those situations where we got a young prospect 
we want to test him against an older vet who has a couple of losses and maybe he's approaching the twilight of his career because I think Roy Nelson's got to be 40 years old at this point. I get it. It's like a career move for Volkov. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, I, I always hate seeing these fights, but I'm still going I'm actually going to pick Roy Nelson in this one. I think Roy Nelson can... If, in the first round, he's one of the most dangerous guys you can face. You know, he's, he's got knockout power. He tests chins. And I think I'm going to pick Roy Nelson by first round KO. So there. Now moving on to the main card. We got uh, Jeremy Stevens, ranked number five, versus Hanato Moicano at a featherweight bout. And once again, this is one of those same type of deals where you get like a younger guy, you know, pitting him against Jeremy Stevens, you know, guy with like a, you know, he's like a who's who of fighting. You know, he's faced a lot of different tough opponents, you know, veteran. And uh, in his last four, Stevens is two and two, coming off losses to Frank, coming off a loss to Frankie Edgar, which, you know, a lot of people lose to Frankie Edgar. And uh, Moicano is uh, two and zero. Oh. Um, you know, he, he has a, a win over a diminished Henan Barrow. I'm talking about... Uh, Stevens at this point. Stevens has a win over over Hennon Barrow, who hasn't really looked good in a couple of years, and a win over Dennis Bermudez. So, I mean, Stevens has fought the tougher competition. Uh, the you know Moicano is still at the sort of top fifteen, top twenty, but this is like a name making fight for him if he wins. So I'm going to pick Jeremy Stevens by KO. I think that he still has a lot of power. I think that Stevens is still a tenacious guy. And I think his experience is going to win out. So there you go. Now, um, coming up next, we got Jacare Souza versus Robert Whitaker. Now, Jacare, uh, he's ranked three, okay? this is I believe this is the last fight on his UFC contract, which explains a lot about the last couple fights he's had. Um, they won't give him a title fight. People jump the line. We know the story. You know, um, Michael Bisping gets to fight for the title. Probably Jacare, probably, or Yo Romero probably deserve that shot. That's life. That's life under the new regime. So they, give him, they didn't give him a title shot, so he takes a fight with uh, Tim Bosch and wins. And now he's got a fight with Robert Whitaker, which, you know, Whitaker is a tough guy. You know, he's ranked sixth, but it's definitely a winnable fight for Jacare. So his last fight, wants to come off a win, you know, wants to renegotiate, you know, coming off a loss, that makes things harder, I imagine. Coming off a win makes you look pretty good. You know, he's ranked third. He's still in that contention circle. So it just makes things a little bit easier for him. And if he wants to go the route of the free agent, Hey man, he was ranked three. All nice, nice couple wins in his last few fights. It's all good. Yeah, but one of the saddest things is that Jacare, if he goes free, uh, free agent, might be the most talented fighter that never fought for a title. You know, that's if he leaves. I mean, in my opinion, it's a tie between Jacare and Damian Maya as to who's the scariest grappler. You know, Jacare once submitted the legendary Marcelo Garcia back in 2005 
at the uh, ADCC Submission Wrestling Championship, the absolute division. So he's no joke, man. I mean, you know, I'm assuming people know who Marcelo Garcia is. And if you don't and you're really into this sport, you should check it out. He's like one of the one of the greats. And uh, Jacare has a win over him. So, um, so there you go. So I'm, I'm going to pick Jacare by submission. No surprise. He does what he does. You know, he's going to go in there. He's going to submit. And that's uh, it's pretty much my... Um, my pick for Jacare. Up next, we have a women's uh, strawweight fight. Thug Rose Namajunas versus Michelle, the karate hottie, Watterson. And, uh, I mean, this should definitely be a good fight. I mean, the women's divisions, um, you know, and I'm not trying to be sexist or anything like that. It's just it is what it is. Is There's a big separation in talent i believe it's their their divisions are relatively shallow um only because it's women's involvement with mixed martial arts is relatively new in this country at least you know i think that uh or in the ufc for certain i mean you know we have invicta we have uh you know women's mma has gone on in strike force and uh you know that's where we get you know a lot of these ladies have fought in strike force but um, in the UFC, it's relatively new. I mean, we, don't, we only have two, two weight classes, bantamweight and strawweight. So, you know, there you go. But Watterson's uh, win over Paige Van Zant, I found to be quite impressive on a technical level. Um, there are some good exchanges. Uh, you know, Watterson used her MMA-adapted sidekick, which is, um, I find that interesting. I mean, for any of you guys out there who are familiar with Taekwondo and the sidekick, it's a relatively slow kick. You have to draw your knee up to your chest, turn your hips, and thrust outward using the blade of your foot as the striking surface. You know, and to bring that knee up and shoot it out is a relatively slow process. Um, you know, some fighters prefer like the the sort of up the up the middle front kicks. You know, I see that being used in MMA or the the Thai style teeps or uh, you know round kicks and things like that, which are a lot quicker to get off. You know, but the the, the side kick I find to be a slow technique. But uh, people like like Michelle Watterson have adapted it where they don't actually draw their knee up; they kind of shoot it out the side, and it's not really. They attack the legs and they attack the body with it. So I was impressed by Watterson's use of that kick. And both her and Paige Van Zandt actually have a traditional karate, traditional martial arts background. But, you know, there's some good exchange. But Watterson really dominated, though, in the clinch. I mean, that, that's how the fight ended, by submission. You know, they clinched up against Cage, and Watterson hip-tossed her onto her back and then put in a rear naked choke, scrambled and put in a rear naked choke. And um, I just think that that, really uh fluid combination of striking and grappling is you know was was, uh, was what makes Watterson like a real contender uh Rose is an excellent grappler I mean her and Paige fought uh, a barn burner I mean it was like pretty much a domination by by Rose but it was it was a pretty pretty brutal fight however I think that Watterson's sophisticated striking game um and her you know, I would say excellent, but not maybe as excellent as Rose's grappling abilities 
will will give Watterson the edge in this fight. And I'm going to pick Watterson, except that I'm going to pick it by decision. I don't think that anyone's going to get finished in this fight. So we'll see how that goes. Now the main event, we have uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Wilson Hayes for uh, the flyweight crown. Five rounds of MMA excitement. So uh, why not fight Hayes? <laughs> Mighty Mouse has beat everyone else in the division. Um, you know Hayes is on a three-fight win streak, so why not? Give him a shot. You know what I mean? I mean, Mighty Mouse is one of those champs who's like fought all comers and um he's actually on the longest active winning title defenses in the ufc and he's uh i think he's got nine title defenses and anderson silva had 10 so if he defeats hayes he will tie anderson silva for most title defenses in the ufc so uh you know, this is like um, one of those things where it's like there's like some significance to it aside from just retaining the title. So um, I, I think I honestly do think Johnson's going to win. I just think that he's got too many tools. He's dangerous in too many places. Um, if if Hayes Hayes is a great grappler, but DJ will adapt his fight depending on uh, on where he finds trouble. I mean, he'll adapt and then he'll he'll prevail like in those places you know i just think on the feet there's too many demetrius just has too many too many viable attacks and you know like i said he's great he's excellent on the ground so maybe his defensive grappling will be on point and i think that's the fight's mainly going to be on the feet in my opinion so my pick demetrius mighty mouse johnson will retain the title and ty anderson silva or the, the highest number of title defenses. So there you have it. Black Coffee Fight Club, episode number two in the can. Thanks for listening. And um, yeah, man, we'll see how this goes. I'm, uh, I, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And um, if you guys are interested, you can check out the new website, everythingwentblackmedia.com. There's a button for the Patreon if you guys feel like supporting the site in any way. Uh, you can donate as middle as as much or as little as you want, a dollar to like five dollars. I still have to get a hold on like how I'm actually going to reward everybody, and there will be rewards. I mean, I'm not just asking you to give me money so I can do this. You know, I mean, I definitely put a lot of work and a lot of time and effort, and there's definitely expenses associated with this. But I also want to give you guys a little bit extra something, t-shirts, something just to show you that I really appreciate the support. So. Um, so yeah, we'll go from there. Um, maybe I'm hoping to put all that stuff together by the end of the week and uh, and have that stuff fully realized. So yeah, man, stay in touch. You guys hit me up on Facebook when I post this episode. If you want to make comments, go ahead. Uh, when this shows up on iTunes, uh, leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. And then um, yeah, man. So enjoy the fights, and I'll talk to you guys soon.
After the war, I come home weak and sore. I fall into your arms. We lie by the fire, you feed my desire. With me safe and warm. Oh. Outside the wind blows cold, inside the embers glow shelter from the storm. Oh.